Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. It's Tuesday of Holy Week. We're moving rapidly toward the events, the celebration of the events, which Jesus was arrested, crucified, dead, buried, and raised from the dead. On this episode of The Leader's Notebook, I want to deal with the resurrection of the greatest leader ever to live. Welcome to The Leader's Notebook. I'm Mark Rutland. On The Leader's Notebook, we deal with all kinds of things, life, relationships, faith, and leadership. Today, I want to deal straightforwardly with the power of resurrection. An unconscious child was rescued from the bottom of a swimming pool. Her terrified parents and concerned onlookers watched in agony as a lifeguard expertly gave her mouth-to-mouth. When water gurgled up and coughing and sucking in breath, the girl sat up and opened her eyes. The crowd cheered and her parents wept with joy. She was resuscitated. Where there was no breath, breath came again. One might say she was more dead than alive, unable to breathe. Her little lungs were flooding with water. She would have been dead soon enough, but actually she was not dead. A friend of mine bought a dilapidated house that I thought beyond hope. Unwilling to discourage him, I said nothing. But I was certain he had made a bad investment. The pathetic old shack was better suited for the wrecking ball as far as I could see. My friend was undeterred. One year later, an absolutely gorgeous home stood in its place, which, by the way, he sold for nearly three times his total investment. I, of course, claimed that I had been confident from the beginning that the project would succeed. That work on that house was a renovation. A dead body, a corpse, is a spiritless shell the quickly decaying remains of life. A resuscitation will not do. A renovation is not enough. It is not in a state of suspended animation or of impending death. A renovation will not help. A resuscitation is just too little too late. Even revival is too effete a word. A Broadway play ignored and unperformed for years, may experience what they call a revival. Some form of architectural style long out of favor may find a revival of sorts. And some slumbering church, lacking power and liveliness, may burst into a raging conflagration. Those are revivals. That's a wonderful thing. But a revival is not a resurrection. Fresh life, new life perhaps better or more life, comes in a revival. But that cannot be construed as a resurrection. Resurrections reverse total death, not spiritual decline or plateaued growth. Death and decay will not be renovated, resuscitated, or revived. Resurrection is to renovation as childbirth is to a trip to the beauty shop. The resuscitation of a near-drawn child is doubted by none and applauded by all. 
A renovated house delights the whole neighborhood and enhances everybody's property values and challenges the faith of no one. Even church revivals, for all their controversy and chaos, are recognized as what they are, temporary moves of God stirring the dormant to new life. Only a resurrection, the resurrection of Christ, could outrage doubters, scandalize intellectuals, and launch a worldwide faith in eternal sufficiency to change the world and the sinful hearts of men. Life is the history that precedes death. Death is the history that comes before a resurrection. The resurrected life is born out of death, even as that same life was once born from the womb and before that from the loins of two others. It is amazing that the resurrection scrapes at the rationalistic nerves of unbelievers. Amazing because it is so in line with the rest of life's transitions. A new life is created as one new body from two others. That new body then resides in fluid, a fish-like human nine months in the waters of its primal baptism. If that baby were to breathe, as it will one day breathe, it would die. The moment that human escapes its watery history, it dies to that historical state and can never go back again to live more than a few moments underwater. For nine months, the new life is buried in water, develops into its birth form in liquid security, insulated against what lies ahead. At birth, all that ends. Out into the blazing light and frigid cold of a stainless steel delivery room, a smack on the butt and a hearty scream, and the atmosphere is sucked into unused little lungs. A new atmosphere. Not the atmosphere of water now, but of H2O. From the warm comfort of a watery womb into a wider, harsher world, that tiny life must die to one place before it can burst kicking and squalling into another. All of life is a chain of transitions. From a seed comes new life. From the womb comes the child. From the child, the adolescent, and from the adolescent to adulthood, if with any luck at all, the fruitful, productive adult grows elderly, a fading remnant of itself. The doorway of death leads to another realm, and the form fit for that environment. Transition leads to transition, form giving way to form in the flow of life that leads to life. The physical resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth was the statement of God that none of the walls of those transitions are barriers to God. God is not trapped. He is no slave to order. From life to death or from death to life, they are the same to God. From word to flesh and from Mary's body into a putrid world, from his body into the throne room of the heavenlies and from the heavenlies to Galilee, God orders the transitions. The transitions do not order God. That is the great truth of the resurrection. From God's presence into a body or from the body into his presence and back again. The grave was no more the final stage than Mary's womb or Joseph's carpenter shop.
The great good news of Christ's resurrection was not simply that he somehow beat the normal pattern and escaped the claws of corruption. The great news of Christ's resurrection is that he showed the way for us who will follow. He was not an only child. He was the firstborn from the dead. By his resurrection, we now find hope and cling less tenaciously to our bodies. Because we live in them, know nothing of life without them, the very thought of leaving our bodies behind to turn to dirt is a fearful thought. Yet Christ has shown the way. Death need not be the elevator shaft down into the grave. It can be the doorway up into yet another and far more glorious transition. St. Paul wrote, the grave has lost its sting. Death is swallowed up in victory. This Resurrection Day, this coming Easter Sunday, Thank God, not simply for the resurrection of Jesus Christ as an historical fact, which it is, not to be debated, nor to be derided, the greatest historical fact of humanity is the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ and his subsequent ascension to the right hand of God the Father Almighty and his soon return. But here's the implication to you. You also will not suffer in death. Death is swallowed up. If Jesus Christ is your Savior and the Lord of your life, if he dwells within you, his resurrection power is already at work within you, overcoming the power of death. And at this physical doorway that we call death, it is simply a transition into the next phase from the womb into life, from life, through death, into the next stage. If a mother leaves her infant in the bassinet on the couch and goes into the next room to change clothes, the baby begins to scream and cry. The baby doesn't know anything about space or time. For that baby, out of sight, is out of the world. Gone five minutes, the mother may be gone five years the baby has no concept of space and time because of its immaturity. The mother comes back in a little while, changed and dressed, and collects the baby out of the bassinet and begins to comfort it. There, there, she says, I just went into the next room to change clothes. When someone that we love passes through the doorway we call physical death, we are confined. Like that baby, our sense of eternal scope, the space and time, we're limited by our view of life in our own bodies and in this thing that we call the temporal realm, time. So someone passes out of our sight, the difference between five minutes and five millennia, we, have, we make no difference because of our spiritual immaturity. But if those who have gone ahead of us into the presence of God, could speak to us, they would say, try not to be so shaken. I've just gone into the next room to change clothes, and soon we'll meet again. Have you lost a loved one who has gone ahead of you? 
someone for whom you grieve, God will comfort you. And your grief is real, and I don't mean to make light of it. But remember, beyond life is heaven, and beyond grief is the glory of the resurrection. Fear nothing, my friend. Live courageously. Death holds no terror for those who are risen already in Christ. His resurrection power is at work in you, and death has no fear. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. God bless you, everyone. Until we meet again, this has been The Leader's Notebook, and I'm Mark Rutland. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.